Happy New Year, Fisters! And welcome to the 11th episode of the Fist, the whole Fist and nothing but the Fist, so help me pod, the official Fistball Australia podcast. Also commonly referred to in both 2021 and 2020, the TFT, WFAN, BTF, TOFAP. I'm your host, Malcolm, Mr. Fister Donnellan, and I'm once again joined by my regular co-host, Chris Super Mario Milne. Happy New Year, uh, Chris. Yes, good evening. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) One of my main goals on this podcast is to just regularly confuse our listeners uh, because that's how you build a fan base, right? It works that way too because then uh, (laughs) you actually manage to pronounce my name, your name correctly. Anyway, anyway, this is uh, is actually Chris and uh, I'm speaking to Malcolm just for, for new listeners. I don't want them to carry this over. Before we bring on our special guest, we should probably touch on two little podcast milestones that we achieved, I don't know, in the last couple of weeks. One, which is a nice little bit of recognition, Malcolm, perhaps due to lack of competition, we're not sure, but we did get nominated for an IFA Media Award. We're one of three nominees against uh, the German uh, video podcast, I guess. Um, What's it called? Fistball Gold and the Austrian Final Three presentation. Say so in some pretty elite company there. I mean, where we deserve to be, obviously. I believe we were nominated by a um, a Malcolm Milne. I don't know who that is, um, but that's a nice little honour. Yeah, could could be anyone. It could be anyone. Uh, but um, no, I think it's it's good. Um, you know, we've we've often talked about you know the big the Germans, the Austrians, the Swiss. They've been dodging us for for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been yep. avoiding meeting us on the fistball field for you know seven years now every time there's a world championship oh you're not drawn in their pool you don't have to play against them but i can't yeah. can't hide anymore so we're, nah. we're going head to head yeah um, we cornered cornered them in the only way we know how but yeah so anyway the the they're the three nominations we'll find out how we how we went on january 9th at the ifa athletes forum but you know regardless it's nice to be nominated for all this effort uh and speaking of uh effort i guess we I mean, we're past that now, but we did hit our 1,000th episode downloaded uh, last year. Don't know what percentage of those were accidental downloads, but we we hit that milestone, which the IFA bragged about just before we did. Damn it! But we're catching them. I feel like. Yeah, no, I, it was it was good. I found an old um little iPod at home, so I've just had us on replay, just mm-hmm. just cycling Can't through. Slide. It's really helping our numbers. <laughs> um, that's, uh, yeah. that's that's very sensible. I mean, I'll very quickly go through it, but we, the top five episodes so far is obviously number one is the Nick Trinemeyer pod, which is not surprising. Uh, he, he smashed 200 listens, which is actually pretty good. But I, we, Malcolm and I have a little theory, don't we, Malcolm, that I think he's an English teacher and uh, he may have slipped in our podcast as part of his curriculum. Yeah. All of his students have to listen to this and report back, you know, multiple listens if you can. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anything to pump up his own numbers. Yeah, well, whatever he's got to do, we're happy with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and number two was the first episode, of course, uh, which I actually went back to and listened to the other week, and it's terrible. I don't know anyone's listened to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, number three is Richard, Rolf, and then Corey rounding out the five. So, yeah, it's a good little milestone. Yeah, it's nice. I know. I remember it was, um, I think... I had a look before you did the last podcast with Liz and we're on like 999 just before you went to air that night. And I was like, oh, so close. <laughs> I was desperately hoping for it to tick over while the podcast was recording so I could record on it. But uh, all right. 
Our guest for this episode, uh, she may be German by birth, and to be honest, I think she's lived there almost all of her life. However, she is now an honorary Australian because of the following accomplishments. She coached our national women's fistball team, aka the Possums, at the uh, Asia Pacific Fistball Championships in 2018. She was our assistant coach for the national men's fistball team, aka the Wombats, at the Men's World Fistball Championships in Switzerland. And she has rounded up and nurtured the rambunctious children of the FIFA president, Rolf the Godfister Peterson, and helped steer them on the correct path and keep them out of trouble, we hope, uh, which is probably more important than those other two accomplishments. But uh, she may have earned her stripes on the fistball field in Saxony. I think I'm saying that right, Germany. And she became an Australian fistball legend in Victoria, Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Bianca Crook. Thank you so much for this lovely introduction. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Mm, that's that's all the effort I put into this podcast. After that, I'm just about a skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and let me first of all congratulate you on all the nominations and all the achievements. This is really a good start in 2021 for you. Yeah, on the up from here, right, Ma? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> on, onwards and upwards. You know, like uh, 2020 was such a great year. And, you know, 2021 is, you know, starting off in fine form as well. So more lockdowns and we haven't had a power outage for like four hours last night. It's like, what do you even do these days when the power goes out? Like kids lost it because the Wi-Fi went off on yeah. one of the iPods, uh, iPads or anything. It was disastrous. Go outside. Oh, wait. No, no, you can't. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get on to our New Year's resolutions and whatnot, uh, let's run through the beers that we currently have in our holsters. I know that Bianca is very keen to get into hers. So she sent us some, some threatening messages when we had to delay the initial recording. So uh, <laughs> if you'd like, Bianca, you can start. Oh, sure. Thank you very much. The reason why I sent you the message was because I was waiting for you so long. <laughs> um, I've got an export, which is from southern Germany, and some friends just brought it for Christmas. It is from a very, very small brewery. It is not a can, so I'm holding this beautiful bottle in my hand, and it is called a Hochdorfer. So it's very, very small. Usually people wouldn't know this brewery, mm -hmm. and it is actually, I'm sorry to tell you, <laughs> an unalcoholic drink, oh. but it is a sports beer. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I'm opening it. Jeez, we've got some real mixed feelings about that, I think. <laughs> A beer designed for sport, but without alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember Tommy was telling us about that when we were having lunch. Yes. At Lake Constance before the before we went into um to Switzerland a bit that there's quite a few sort of non-alcoholic beers and they're actually like better than Powerade or anything because they've got like better nutrients and stuff in them. So yeah, they're designed for sport. Mm. So I like it. Exactly. <laughs> what are you having? Uh yeah, I mean I, I'll I'll go next. I've Mine is uh, alcoholic. Uh, mine is, I'm keeping a thing going. This is actually one of the beers I was hoping was going to come for the last podcast because it's a Kiwi beer. Um, it's from Garage Project. It is a dark chocolate beer. It's also a, a collaboration with Whitakers who make delicious chocolate out of New Zealand. Uh, it's, so it's a dark chocolate beer with espresso. Sorry, <laughs> espresso. Espresso, <laughs> hazelnut, and, <laughs> and orange. And it's a nitro beer. So I get the honor of pouring it and opening it. In a very nitro style, so as Ooh. tradition of this podcast, oh, yeah. everyone can just listen to me pour it. <laughs> Jeez, that looks so weird. Doesn't it? What's going to flow? He drips it. The funny thing is, I was going to go for a larger glass. <laughs> 
And at the last second, I was like, no, you should be right. Who would have thought that just turning your can directly upside down and long pouring it would end badly? Well, that's how you have to do it. That's the nitro beer. So it's kind of like a Guinness. Oh. But unfortunately, yes, the glass I chose was a little too small. Okay. But that's what it looks like now. Well, nobody on the podcast could see that, but you understand. Hmm. It's a good color. Yeah. It's a nice kind of creamy yeah. head. Nice one. Yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, continue. Uh, Malcolm, what have you got? <laughs> I, I found these yesterday when I just went looking for... I was actually going to try and find uh, some more German beer, but there wasn't much at the bottle shop I went to. But I did see these that had just uh, come out, and I thought that would be good ones. It's a nice little um, segue into sort of some of our international news. It's I've actually got a, a Portuguese beer called Sagres. I'm not sure how they pronounce that. Mm. But yeah, so I thought I'd give it, give it a go. I don't think I've ever drank a, a Portuguese beer before, but I'll give it a little... Um, and uh, I don't know if I I don't know if I'll do that do the the long pour. Oh come on! Where's your verb for life in 2021? Um yeah, so it's <laughs> I don't know. It's just a pretty standard beer. I don't know if there's anything uh, particularly exciting about it aside from the fact that it's from Portugal, which um, yeah, sort of. Fist. Leads us to a little smooth segue, which was the sort of announcement uh, of the the nominated teams for the the Women's World Championship for next year. And one of the countries that I think we we're both a bit surprised to see on the the list was was Portugal, that have oh, that have entered a women's team for the for the first time in in international fistball. So yeah, wow. They spoke briefly about it on the IFA podcast. I think some of the Brazilian players, I think uh, Mateus Kunzler might have had, because obviously they speak Portuguese, so I think they've maybe sort of been in contact with them. And, and I know there's there's some other sports tournament thing in, in Lisbon next year, or this year now, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, that fistball is going to be a part of. I think it's the, the sort of just the two-on-two fistball thing, but I think that's possibly how they've how the Portuguese have got involved, but I thought that was quite interesting. And 14 teams nominated for that for the Women's World Champs. So, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm guessing it's a preliminary, you know, obviously a lot of people don't know their current situations, but hopefully that holds. Um, and they have said that they're going to keep it open for, for future nominations, you know, just in case. So it's late nominations, which would potentially keep the number up around where it is, or even more. Yeah, I saw um, Big Robert from Poland also had commented that they were hoping to, to register a Polish team as well. So that would get it up to 15, which would be should be pretty cool. Sadly, uh, Australia is not one of the the fourteen nations. It doesn't look great for us at the moment on that front. But mm. too bad. We'll yeah, we'll see. Never say never. But um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess we're in the news section here. So let let's shoot the ship very briefly. Bianca, what did you do for New Year's Eve? Oh well, New Year's Eve was unspectacular this year due to the Corona crisis. Mm. We just went over to some friends. We went for a little hike. Um, our friends, they have children. So it was just a, a small round of walking around close to the woods. Then we had some dinner together. And even before it was uh, midnight, we went home. <laughs> so Thomas and I, we spent the night together just playing some board games. Just the two of us. And then we went to bed quite early. Nothing special, unfortunately. What about you? <laughs> uh, well, last second we went out for a, for a dinner because uh, the COVID restrictions in Adelaide are still are pretty good at the moment. Um, so there's very few of them. And we were able to go out to some degustation thing at the last second, pulled the parents in to look after the kids. It was nice. I mean, but yeah, same thing. We were, I think, just ticked over to midnight and then we went to bed. So <laughs> that, 
that's for life. <laughs> yeah. Malcolm? Uh, yeah, we sort of had a little get-together. Luckily, our numbers weren't too bad because they could have came out hard at, at, in the morning of New Year's Eve and whacked a whole bunch of restrictions on in Victoria and halved the number of people you're allowed to have at parties and stuff. But fortunately, I think you're allowed to have 15. I think we were 15-ish, so we were okay. Um, <laughs> who's counting? It's in the past. Um, but yeah, we're just... Actually, it was sort of with yeah, a couple of other fistball guys, with um, Brent the Jellyfist, uh, Lehman, and Dobbo Dobfist Dobson. Um, it was it wasn't exactly a raging affair. I think mm. we were home by ten thirty or something, and watched the New Year's come in on TV, and then then went to bed yeah, shortly after. So it was nothing nothing too exciting, but but I think we were. I think everyone was pretty happy to see the see the back of of twenty twenty, yeah. the uh, the wanker puss of a year that it was. <laughs> Definitely. I did listen to. Um, I did listen to a Soul Hoover a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> kill it with fire, just to see the end of the year it was it was, it was good. Give them another plug. <laughs> yeah, three, three on the trot now, trying to get them viral. You know, while the year's yeah. still relevant. Uh, speaking of fistball nicknames, uh, Bianca, are you? I think we threw together at the last second. We called you the Crooken, as in you know to release the Crooken. How do you feel about that? Do you need to keep workshopping that? <laughs> to be honest, I was. <laughs> fairly disappointed mm, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i thought it was so uncreative uh, in terms of like <laughs> the other names were more creative and then i thought oh you didn't know what to do with my name and then you just came up with the crooked and i was like really <laughs> but i think i have to stick with it now <laughs> well i think we've had a few nickname changes uh you know oh it, really i think so over the period of time haven't we mel i mean there's if we're not, yeah. I don't think we were particularly sold on the nickname. You know, it wasn't as good as Panzerfist or whatever it was for... Panzerfaust for uh, Yeah, Panzerfaust. Yeah. And the Fistals is obviously the best one we've given out. Yeah. Well, then didn't Tommy <laughs> Tommy change his own nickname too? Because remember, he, he, um, Did he? he wasn't a massive fan of the Panzerfaust. Because I think he, oh. he, and he called himself the, the Pacifist, do you remember? Because uh, oh, did he, he didn't want to be named after a... German <laughs> artillery weapon or whatever the Panzerfaust was. I can't think now. It was like a bazooka or something. But uh, um, Yeah. An anti-tank thing, I think it was. Okay. Um, That's right, yeah. So he changed it himself? I think so. I can't remember. <laughs> we'll bring him on the podcast. Hmm. We'll... Maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, keeping the cheesy theme going a little bit, we'll look forward. Does anyone have any New Year's resolutions? They can be fistball or otherwise. Malcolm, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, I think my New Year's resolution is probably to be less resolute. Mm. Um, <laughs> if you're going to put me on the spot, <laughs> uh, to be well, I'm 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 very I'm very shortly about to become a father of three, so I guess my New Year's resolution would be to hopefully still be a father of three by the end of the year that I won't have. Right, yes. <laughs> Stuffed up my parenting so badly that I've lost a kid or multiple along the way. That's, so That's a good goal. So that, that, that's probably a good one. Just get through the first year. Yeah. When are you expecting your third? Very soon, actually, in about just over a week. Wow. 12th wow. of Jan. So by the next podcast, I will be... I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be looking significantly older and tireder next time we do this. I think it'll be, maybe, yeah, we'll have to make sure we do one of those screenshots of me with still yeah. brown hair and where I haven't just gone. I'll, I'll be just ghostly grey and balding in two weeks' time. How's Jeff doing? 
Yeah, she's doing pretty good. She's getting a bit over the whole being pregnant thing. I think she just um, wants it to to get it done. But at the same time, it's she's she's like, I'm so sick of being pregnant, but I'm not sure I'm ready for this yet. So it's kind of like, well, you're going to have to <laughs> make your mind up. Yeah. Something's got to give, yeah. Yeah, last time she seemed pretty chilled about it. No, nah, she's pretty good. It's, 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 it's sort of snuck up on us a bit, this one, because it's just after Christmas. And that's like, December's a crazy busy time in our house because we've got... Like nearly everyone's birthdays are in are in December, so it's just kind of party after party, and then Christmas, then New Year's, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, holy shit, we're gonna have a baby in a week's time, and so it's all it's all getting real. Like I come home the other day, and there was a like a bassinet thing in our room, and I was like, oh, holy shit, this is this is happening soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it'll yeah. be good fun. Yeah, Bianca, do you have any? Uh, not really. Like as the usual, do more sports because. At the end of the year, you realize, oh, I started out pretty well with doing sports, but in the end, hmm. well, <laughs> seem more like a lazy potato. I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying to um, pick up a healthier lifestyle again, <laughs> as usual. Yeah. But yeah. apart from that, nothing special. Pretty lame. <laughs> I, t- I, t- I mean, I, talk- I put everyone on the spot. Yeah, I-, I talked to friends about it, and most of them were like, really? resolutions no we don't have any and they kind of they don't actually want to think about resolutions i at least it feels Mm. like that yeah i mean i think that you rephrase it to just be what do you have some goals for this year i think it becomes a lot more positive whereas a new New year's resolution has a bit of a definitive element to it but i mean because like for my resolution if i was going to call it that was just to actually play football this year because obviously i'm not anywhere near where fistball is being played so it means it means getting back over to melbourne getting involved and another resolution per se is, is if the situation changes here is to try and get some fistball going in south australia because otherwise i will not be playing any fistball unless i'm flying back to melbourne frequently and i would like to get started here so that we can eventually build up a south australian youth team and go over there and smash the victorians and um become the new home of fistball that's the goal so which Markham sees completely unfazed by so I guess he's reasonably confident that it's not going to unfold that way yeah it's really hard at the moment too though because of the different rules in in different states like it's it's hard to even plan just like a weekend of fistball or something because you're like oh I'll just go to Melbourne for the weekend and play it's like but if you're in Melbourne and then there's a, a cluster or something that breaks out while you're there then they're like oh no you have to quarantine when you get back yeah. and it's like well I haven't really planned two weeks at home after my weekend in Melbourne. So yeah, yeah. There's heaps of heaps of people yeah. that um. That's just my dog yawning. <laughs> if, if there's a weird noise, do you have a dog? <laughs> we'll keep we'll uh, keep that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Podcast gold. Because <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I have a flight to Melbourne um, at the end of January to to come for the next Fistivus and, and maybe the, and hopefully the KK medal night if that happens. But obviously, you know, I'm going to be watching the news every day now that we've got that oh, wow. New South Wales cluster and a few turning up in Victoria, that could all change very quickly. But yeah. Oh, wow. Are the numbers getting up again in, in uh, Australia? Uh, they're not that bad. It's, it's just like, um, there's a bit of a cluster thing happening in New South Wales around sort of the Northern beaches. And then a few of those people, 
brought it into Victoria. So there's there's a few cases here in Victoria. And just because of how badly it went last time, they've just really quickly started locking things down straight away. Sort of like immediately went to wearing masks anywhere indoors pretty much. And yeah, sort of, so I just don't want to risk a third, third wave here, I don't think. So yeah, they're kind of being overly cautious. So what kind of restrictions do you have to deal with at the moment? It's not too bad. It's no, nothing like it was, um, you know, when the, the sort of big wave was, was all happening with, yeah, curfews and stuff like that, but just sort of trying to nip this little breakout in the bud before it sort of gets to anything anything bigger than it is, I think. Fist! Boy! All right. Let's, um, let's get on to the interview. Uh, that's where Bianca gets to show off her English. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Please don't. I'm a German. <laughs> you can't do that to me. My English is pretty bad. <laughs> that was a good impersonation of someone that doesn't know good English. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I don't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um, just give us a brief run through, Bianca, of your, your history in the sport. I've got your... Uh, what do you call it? A uh, fistball card in front of me, the one that I made up for the uh, the world champs, which has your uh, your birthplace and your birth year and your coaching career. But uh, I don't have any of your, your playing career on here. So yeah, run it, run us through everything. Tell us everything. Okay. Well, the playing card sums up quite a bit. <laughs> but for the listeners, let me just restate everything. So I started fistball in, I guess it was 2005, when I was pretty young. I think I was 11. Yes, I was 11. So um, some friends, they said, hey, we're doing the sports. We need some people to play the sport with us. Why don't you check it out? And back then I was in a dance club and I started fistball and I um, did dancing along as well. And then at one point my parents said, you have to choose. You cannot do both. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I don't know what the occasion was, but in the end, I chose fistball. And ever since, I have been playing fistball. And with my youth team, we played in Saxony. We were always in the top three. <laughs> Let's say it like this. Yeah. But you also have to know that we had only five teams back then in our federal state. Yeah. Um, in our age group. So um, I think we were still playing at a pretty decent level. And then as I was getting older, my team, my youth team split up due to work and they finished all schools. We, we all went to different schools. I was basically the only one doing my A-levels. So all of a sudden I didn't have a team. So I switched clubs. Um, I switched from Rochlitz, which is my hometown where I was born, where I lived, where I went to school, to uh, a club I'm still playing at, which is called Glauchau, FV 1925, Glauchau Rotenbach, long name, shortened, Glauchau. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I started playing for the youth team there, and sooner or later I started also playing for the women's team in this club and in 2012 we managed to play or to qualify for the second national league nice. in the southern division so ever since we were playing indoors or outdoors in the second national league in 2014 however I changed clubs again for a short period of time 
because another club from Saxony, they were running short in players due to pregnancies, mm. <laughs> um, which you <laughs> should be familiar with. <laughs> yes, we are. And they asked me whether I wanted to play for them in the first division. So in 2014 and 2015, uh, I played for Hirschfelde in the first division, which was a great time. I was uh, allowed to play versus Stephanie Danecker and uh, Sonja Frommer and all the yeah, right. good clubs from the Southern League. Yep. And in the indoor season 2015, 2016, I went back to my club in Glauchau and ever since... I've been sticking with them. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we're not playing National League anymore because our team split up due to work stuff. A lot of us mm -hmm. moved away. Some of us had kids. Some of us uh, finished school, moved away, changed clubs. So right now we're just playing uh, on a federal state league. Yeah, which is pretty sad, but at least I'm still able to play fistball. Yep. And that's basically it for my playing career. Yeah, <laughs> just summed up in a nutshell. <laughs> is there a lot of options uh, around you for playing? Like, is your is your club the only one sort of in that general area now? Or is there quite a few? Like, theoretically, if you were to play in, if you wanted to play in a higher league, could you find an, a close club that you could go to? <sighs> Not really. So um, the thing is, Thuringia, the federal state I'm living in now. They, I think they have two women's teams and they play at a very, very low level. If there's anyone listening from Thuringia, I'm apologizing. But <laughs> to be honest and frankly speaking, they're at a low level. Yep. Um, there is no club around Jena. Um, I think the closest is Erfurt. And it's still like with public transport, a 45-minute drive to get there. And I think right now with my status, like as a teacher, I don't have that much time to travel in between towns that much. Plus the Corona crisis, yes. you know, um, so when I was studying, I did that a lot in my first, I think, two years of university because public transport back then was for free. And now I have to pay for it. And it's just time consuming and so I don't have any opportunity to play fistball right now in Vienna. We had a university course, but uh, numbers are very low. And due to the corona crisis, it didn't happen at all. Right. So we're still waiting, crossing fingers that we can do sports in, let's say, spring in a couple of months and that fistball is back on track. Yep. And how about coaching? Obviously, you've got a bit of a coaching history. The uh, assistant coach... The Australian men's national team is that the pinnacle? Are you done now, or are you just um, you're going to keep moving on from there? Well, <laughs> good question. Actually, um, I think that's that's kind of the peak of my uh, yeah coaching career so far. Yeah, I haven't had a thought of aiming higher yet, but now that you're asking me this question, I might think of aiming higher. <laughs> no, I don't know. Honest, <laughs> no, honestly, like um, I feel like I'm settling in at an age where I probably have to think about having an own family. So I don't know whether I will have time to aim higher mm. to coach, I don't know, another nation or whatever. In terms of coaching, I think my long-term goal is to have youth team one day that I can coach and that I might also take to a higher level. 
but right now I don't have any ambition. <laughs> I don't have any time. That's so sad. Yeah. Honestly, it's very very sad. Well, you had the um the honor, I guess you'd call it an honor of um of taking over the the reins of the Australian women's team from the fairly uh, aptly named uh, coach Hellfest, who was uh, Helena, who was uh, Rolf's previous au pair, who I guess ruled with a bit of an iron fist and was sort of (laughs) feared amongst the playing group. She came, she had a couple of um, pretty classic stamps that she's left on the team. I I remember when they were, when they were training and um, my sister was there, was in the team at the time and, Coach Helfis told her, um, just because you are the oldest and the slowest player doesn't mean you have to be the shittest player as well. There's um, a, a great little bit of uh, motivational speech. And I'm not sure if in Germany, are you familiar with the with the term uh, a shit sandwich as a um, like a feedback form where you take... Yeah, of course. Like an, a, one negative and put it between two positive things. I know. Sort of. To, you know, um, yeah, well, Coach, Coach Helfis um, had what she called... Uh, the shit bruschetta because she couldn't think of a second positive thing to say about them, so she just <laughs> said one good thing and then all the shit stuff. And uh, yeah, so it was. I remember when when we first said like, "Oh, we've got another German girl who's is going to be coming out to to do some coaching and she'll be going to be living with Ralph." And they're like, "Oh God, we're not sure we're ready for this. We're still <laughs> still getting over the mental scars of the last girl." But uh, I think they were. Yeah. yeah. You didn't. You weren't quite as uh, as iron fisted uh, as, <laughs> as your predecessor, fortunately. Well, honestly, like I mean, thanks to you, I was able to to do the job and to coach the possums because initially you were looking for just one coach. So uh, when I reached out to Milne, hmm. um, he said, "Okay, we've got a lot of people who want to come over. Um, tell us a little bit more about you and what kind of." experience do you have in terms of football and i said okay well if you have higher qualified coaches that's awesome you should take them but maybe we could come up with a solution where i can concentrate on the women and the other coach could concentrate on the men and he said yes to that and i didn't expect that and this is (laughs) basically the reason why i was finally able to make my way to australia so thank you very much for that yeah we're we're never going to say no to free help (laughs) particularly all the way from germany that was just kind of raining it was fantastic (laughs) what is better than one german two germans (laughs) exactly it did work out really nicely and like obviously the fact that you were then able to continue on and, and provide like really important support in Switzerland was huge as well. It's just nice that everything kind of worked out like that, I guess. A bit of an extra treat for you as well. And in a way you were like a really important cog of the men's team, which was your initial intention anyway of coming out there. So you kind of got the best of both worlds. You got the women at a local tournament and then the men, at, at, you know, close to your home country as well. Which is pretty close, awesome. yeah. Yeah, close yeah. yeah, worked out pretty well. Yeah. What are your highlights so far though? Fistball wise, obviously. In my whole, <laughs> yeah. in my whole fistball career. Your whole fistball career. <sighs> you can be like Nick and just and just list off about seventeen if you like, but um, or you can keep it small. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think one of the highlights was that my team qualified for the German national championship in 2015. Yep. We didn't make it to the semifinals. But I think it was still a great time, a great season that we played. And that's definitely one of my highlights. And 
I think in terms, yeah, then I have to say being in Australia, having the opportunity to help you in Australia to build the fistball community or to improve your fistball community, also to, to travel to New Zealand and help them a little bit. And I'd also rank the World Champs in Winter Tour to my highlights so far, definitely. Yeah. Mm, they're pretty good highlights. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, do you have any... Uh... Any other questions? I've, I've ticked off everything on my little list. Um, yeah, no, I think yeah, we were just sort of looking at, you know, what, have, what have you been, yeah, I guess your time in Australia was sort of how we got to got to know you. Um, what, what were your sort of your highlights here? I know you've uh, obviously living with Rolf would have been a, an eye-opening experience. Where I don't think anyone really knows what happens inside the four walls of Rolf's house. We just assume <laughs> it's some sort of chaotic scene we all think that that lou must be an absolute saint putting up with rolf's all of his wacky schemes and ideas but uh <laughs> you got to be a fly on the wall and experience that firsthand that must have been 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 fun definitely and lou is definitely a saint honestly like she's amazing <laughs> um i was very lucky to be in a pair at their house because they were so welcoming um i really had a great time i never felt like i was just a visitor i always felt felt like a family member which was absolutely amazing so thank you for that once more and i'm pretty sure rolf and maybe hopefully Luen are listening to the podcast well highlights in australia i think yeah everything kind of was a highlight in australia i mean i was i had so much time to travel i had the pleasure to meet so many people to to become friends with so many people. Uh, I also enjoyed my uh, my time where I wasn't staying at uh, Rolf's house because I was traveling up the East Coast a little bit. And then I ended up working in Batlow on a tiny apple farm for four weeks. And that was also quite a great experience, honestly. Like just exploring Australia, exploring the nature, exploring the beauty of Australia kind of all of an highlight i cannot choose only one i'm sorry <laughs> did you go did you go road tripping in rolf's um in rolf's dodgy van at one point <laughs> yeah i've been traveling with the van <laughs> everything was fine <laughs> never had problems with the van to me it wasn't dodgy at all <laughs> i think it was i think it was tommy that tried to tried to drive it down the great ocean road and made it about 45 minutes out of Geelong and it broke down and he just had to wait and get towed back to Geelong. Yeah. It was his uh, yeah, I remember that fairly unsuccessful expedition. Yeah, right. But uh, no, I had no problems with the van. I I just noticed that the tires, the the profile of the tires, they were very low. So luckily, when I noticed that, I was in Sydney, and Rolf just took the van to mechanic. Uh, what's it called? The mechanics or the car car blah. The mechanic? Yeah, thank you. I was cut that out, yeah, Melanie. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> no, no, I'm keeping the. I'm just going to keep car blah, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, he took. He just took the, the the van to the mechanics, and it was fixed like a few hours later. <laughs> yeah, the van. The van's got a rich history in fistball. It's got a name that we won't repeat on this podcast, but. Uh... Yeah, that 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 word's already been dropped. It's been dropped once in a podcast already. By, uh, that um, Todd that Todd Matthews guy, and you and you got to do the. Uh, you had the the pleasure, I'm sure, of uh, of doing your uh, your referee training course that you did here in 
in Australia and you did one in New Zealand as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I did the one in Australia first, of course. And thanks again to Brent who managed uh, to get us this beautiful location. Uh, when we had our break, we were at the rooftop. Was it a balcony? I can't remember quite well, um, but we had a stunning view from this balcony or whatever it was to the Geelong, what was it? The Geelong Pier? Oh, the main, yeah, the beach, the pier and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then when I went to New Zealand, I also did the course. When I arrived, I did the theoretical class with them. And then I traveled and at the end I did the practical exams with them. So the refereeing itself. Yeah. It was pretty much fun. All right, well, if we don't have anything else, do we have any interview questions? I know you put some stuff out there on the interwebs earlier, Mal. Did anything come through? Or? Yeah, we've got a couple of a couple of listener questions um, that have come through. The first one is from... Uh, oh, jeez, I don't want to get this wrong. I think it's a Ralph Peterfile. I think we've had him uh, <laughs> on the podcast before. He, um, he wants to know, uh, Bianca, do you have any tips on how to tell my children apart? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, just open your eyes and look at them. <laughs> Honestly, you were talking about it a lot in your podcast. I don't know whether you realized it, but I think you, Mel, you said, like, oh, how does she tell them apart? When I, whenever I was listening to the podcast, uh, I was just laughing so hard because then Luanne would send me a picture of the twins and I was like, yeah, this is Sven, this is Lars. So I still don't have any problems telling them apart. I don't know. You just can tell. I think I remember you telling me at one point that, that one of them has a wider forehead than the other one and you used to just kind of put your hand up to their forehead and be like, yeah, that's, that's Sven. He's got the big head. Yeah, it's it's not just that. It's It's also... I don't know. It's just their chins are a little bit different as well. And they're just how they mime. Like, mm. yeah, it's different. It's so easy. Come on. <laughs> you have a lot more time to practice than I do. <laughs> you see them more often now. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, Ralph is listening. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Ralph is listening. Definitely. But just open your eyes. And in case you're unsure, just ask them who's who. <laughs> I don't think they would tell him. I think they'd. I, if I was a, yeah. if I was an identical twin, that would be the best thing ever. I'd just be constantly trying to yeah. to fool people into into thinking you're the opposite one. That would be ninety percent of your life. I think. As soon as they realise that their their father cannot tell them apart <laughs> for whatever reason, so and so did this. You know, it's like no, that was the other one. <laughs> Get away with anything. The teenage years are going to be hell. <laughs> okay, well, that sounds helpful. Was there any anything else? Uh, yeah, luckily for you, Bianca, I was given the whole, this has just happened just after New Year's and Christmas, I was a bit unorganised, and luckily for you, I never got around to uh, reaching out to any of your your fistball club people for embarrassing stories like we did to, to poor <laughs> Nick. So um, so you so you, you won't have any, uh, any, any blushes there, but I do have a question here, and this one's a bit strange, because... It's from a Jay Leon, mm. I believe. Oh, again? Uh, yeah, oh but it's, it's weird because I don't remember writing this one. <laughs> um, this one, maybe. <laughs> well, don't, don't pull back the curtain, Mal. <laughs> <laughs> and her question is, um, did you ever imagine that when coaching a team, you would have to rotate players based on who needed to breastfeed babies? <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I haven't had a thought about it. 
But actually, I think it didn't happen that often because they were well organized. They managed to breastfeed their children either prior or after the game. <laughs> so I didn't have any issues when it was, yeah, when we were actually playing a game. But it was quite uh, an interesting insight into Australian fistball, definitely. I remember uh, one Fistivus, I think it was in Melbourne, and they just all brought along their babies. And I think it was you, Mel. And you were like, oh, I have to play. And Jess is playing. Here, just hold Millie. And then I had Millie. Oh, Bianca, you have to ref. So I had Millie. I was just like mm. holding her. I think I was also feeding her or whatever. I, I can't remember quite well. But um, I had to ref. I had the baby. And I think, who had Zoe? I don't know who had Zoe. There was definitely someone who had Zoe in, in, the, in the trolley. <laughs> and we would all just babysitting your kids. It was so much fun, honestly. Yeah, I remember at the um, the APFC, like me and Jess were just so busy that whole two or three days that we I have no idea where our kid was most of the time. Like, aside from there's a few, there's some photos of me like when the women's games were playing, and I'm like I was helping you out, like so I was at the back of the court, yeah. coaching, and I've and I've got her strapped in the ergo thing on on the front of me, so like coaching w- with a baby, mm-hmm. which technically speaking was probably in breach of the uh, only two coaches on the sideline rule, <laughs> um, and then but then yeah like other times. Yeah, she'd just be in the pram and like Jess would come over to me and be like, oh, who's got Millie? And I'd be like, oh, that lady over there has her. She's pushing the pram. She's like, who's that? And I was like, I have no idea, but she's pushing the pram. So let's just, <laughs> let's just run with it. Yeah. So it all worked out. Yeah. It was not just a phenomenon of the APFC. It was a phenomenon of Australian fistball in general. Because at the festivals, we always had to nurse the babies as well. And you would just bring them along, of course, obviously, because you didn't want to miss out on fistball. All part of the fun. So Yeah. It was it yeah. was great. Yeah, I mean, usually there'd be like, I guess like, I think it might have been Limo that would usually bring a bit of a tent set up. And then, you know, his kids and, and your kids might be playing in there or around there. And then sometimes Rolf would have his kids there. And then you could just see, even when Rolf's playing, he'd be like playing. You could just see that his, his eyes are always slightly off to the side, just keeping an eye on his kids and making sure they are within chasing distance, I guess, you know, <laughs> it's just, a, it's a very, I mean, I haven't done it before. I've never had my kids there for a fistress. I can't even imagine what it's like. Uh, I feel like it'd be incredibly stressful. I mean, the closest I had was the, um, the first TTFC. I had uh, Emily there, but thankfully Darcy was, was keeping an eye on her. She did try to run onto the field during a point at which point we was about to serve I think and I had to quickly run over and put it back over but otherwise (laughs) yeah I've never had to experience that but yeah it's part of the fistball culture I guess you know it's pretty it's pretty easy going Australian tournaments and pretty relaxed and everyone is half looking after everyone's kids even if they don't realize it you know it's probably one of the things we love so much about the um the baseball club in Geelong where we play because it's basically a big fenced in baseball field so the kids can kind of just go free range you're like oh they can't climb over that fence they're fine and, yeah. all right do you have any other questions i actually had a question but it was um it was weirdly similar to your question Mao, from uh another mine was also from a ralph p um, oh really, so oh, really? yeah it was also almost word for word what yours was. So that's pretty, he must have sent it to both of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll just have a quick look. There's just nothing, nothing last minute that's, that's popped up. So How sad. Well, usually we're very targeted. Uh, the general, general public tends not to chip in. We usually seek out 
close friends and family to uh, give us something to work with, but that's all right. <laughs> do, do you have any, like... You've, you've saved any embarrassing questions. You don't have to uh, bear your soul onto a... Uh... Yeah. There is no embarrassing stories at all, so <laughs> nothing to tell. Oh, actually, there was one other thing I was going to ask about. Does your fistball club have its own, like, brewery set up inside it? You sent me a photo, something about this is the brewery at my club. And it's like, it was like a big... Oh, no. Uh, as you know, we Germans have clubs for everything. And I happen to be a member of a brewery club. Ah. But it is not fistball related. Okay. Um, our club is in Jena, so where I live. And we're just, I think, 20 members meeting up, celebrating some brewing culture. And we don't even bottle our beer. So um, you can just drink it at our venue, at our clubhouse. And I just send it to you because I know that you work in a brewery. <laughs> and yeah. No, I, t- I got that and I was like, wow, that is next level. Yeah. You know, fistball drinking culture is actually having your own microbrewery within your fistball club. I was like, wow, we really need to up yeah. our game. Like, but, it was like, <laughs> but, but it's like, but if anyone would have a brewery at a fistball club, it would be the Germans. Like, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the logical next step to me. No, it's, it's not fistball related. Oh, that's disappointing. Oh, well. yeah i'm sorry to disappoint you but the beer is very good <laughs> i'm sure it is <laughs> next time next time we're over there which will uh definitely well, 2023 we'll have to have to make definitely a road trip oh yeah. yeah it's a long road trip though because it's i think five to six hours i think five yeah. hours to to Mannheim from my place that's just up the road in australia you know australia's a big place <laughs> bianca we five and a half hours yeah that's true a... for you it's just nothing <laughs> It's just a casual little Sunday drive for us. Definitely, yeah. You're always welcome. (laughs) Ducking down to the shops to get some milk. (laughs) Yeah, I think my my ever-growing list of places that that I need to go next time I'm in Europe, I feel it's going to very quickly become apparent that that is not doable. Because it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go here and here and here and here. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that's actually covering pretty much (laughs) the majority of the continent. Oh, wow. What's on your agenda? Uh, it's funny because, like, I mean, I spent a fair bit of time traveling around um, Europe probably 10 years ago, but it was obviously before we discovered fistball. So I kind of sort of think, like, I imagine, think how much different what that trip would have been had I known about fistball at the time. I think I would have traveled to a whole bunch of different places. So there's, you know, there's just all these cool things that you see on the fistball post. Like, oh, wow, I'd really like to go and go and check that out and like having played in at the Yona tournament was really cool and I'd love to check out a couple of those other big tournaments like the the Widnow tournament and uh the Wedding Cup I think it is in in mm, Berlin I think mm. I've seen that you've you've been been there before Bianca oh, yeah. there's just so many cool things I'd love I'd love to do and now particularly with a lot of these other countries that are popping up and starting to play like I'd love to go and you know meet meet up with the um like the Belgian guys and the Dutch guys and like kind of stuff it'd be really cool but I think in reality, it's probably be, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. I actually realized the other day when I was looking back at stuff and we were talking about things that we'd missed out on because we didn't know about Fistball. I was actually living in Europe when oh. the 2011 Fistball World Championships were on. Really? I was living in Scotland and it's like, oh man, I was I was in Europe at that when that World Championships happened. Oh, wow. I just was blissfully unaware that the sport existed at that point. I was like, oh, that sucks. Oh, wow. Where, <laughs> whereabouts did anyway. you live? Uh, me and Jess 
we spent a summer living in a little town on Loch Ness in Scotland. Oh. It's called Fort Augustus. So we worked oh, at really? a, worked at a hotel there for the summer. So that was that was good. Didn't no Nessie sightings, but um, mm. yeah, that was really cool. And we did yeah quite a bit of our time. We you know when we'd get weekends off and whatever, we'd sort of go travelling around. And then we spent a few months sort of yeah backpacking around. And I've done a couple of trips over there, but but yeah, sadly it was all pre fistball. So um, just gives me more motivation to want to go back now and travel around to a, all the all the fistball places but yeah one day yeah totally and it's so worth to visit um the netherlands i love the netherlands i would go there every holiday but thomas doesn't want to go there every time <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's beautiful it yeah I, I i did a about a week in uh, in amsterdam when i was in my younger days and it's it's all a little bit hazy Sort of just a hazy blur of coffee. It was only meant to be a couple of days, wasn't it? Co- yeah, coffee shops. <laughs> oh, how come? <laughs> we got we got stuck in this in this weird sort of um, cycle in on our street that we were the hotel we were staying at the hostel. Um, there was three coffee shops between our hostel and the tram stop, and then just beside the tram stop there was a sports bar that sold all you can eat ribs for ten euros. Oh. And so we'd sort of wander out of the hostel and we'd stop at the three coffee shops and then we'd just be, for some reason, really hungry. Yeah, like coffee. By the time we got down to the sports bar and so we'd stock up on all-you-can-eat ribs and then we'd be a little bit tired for some reason so we'd sort of <laughs> go back and have a, have a nap and then we'd do it all over again and we just we never got out of our street for about the first four days that we were, <laughs> that we were there. Was it just Jess and you or was it friends and you? No, nah, that, that, was, that was when I was um, in Europe. The first time by myself, I wasn't with Jess then. Uh, she she would have probably would have kept me on the straight and narrow a bit more, but uh, <laughs> all in good all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so their their coffee. There's something in the coffee in Amsterdam. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else we want to talk about? Is there any chance you'd come back to Australia, Bianca? Or are you? I mean, it's a massive trip. It's not a, a one done lightly. Uh, yeah, uh, I would love to. I would absolutely love to because i yeah i really miss the time there i miss the people there i would love to come and visit you guys um the question is just when (laughs) yeah i think of course it's a massive trip but my problem is kind of that when we have summer we have long breaks but it is your winter and i don't know whether it's so much worth to go to australia in winter yeah. I'd rather go in the summer, but in, in, in our winter, your summer, we only have like a two-week break. And it is okay to go there for 12 days, but I'd rather spend more time there to make more out of it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of hard. It's such a long trip. It's hard to justify for anything under, you know, like if it's just coming over for a couple of weeks, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. Yeah. What about, um, are you planning on going to... To uh, to Yona for the for the women's world championships if it if it goes ahead, Bianca. Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, I was more keen um, before I knew that you wouldn't send a women's team there, but <laughs> um, I think I still want to go there because we love Switzerland. Winter tour was actually my very first time in Switzerland, and in the summer we went back there, not to winter tour, but to Switzerland, and spent our summer there. Did a lot of hiking which was pretty amazing. And yeah, it's manageable to get to Yona. Let's say it like this. It's still a comparatively long drive in terms of distances in Europe. But yeah, I definitely am I'm, I'm keen to go there. 
I was also keen to go to under 18 competition, which oh, was yeah. supposed to be in Austria last year, hmm. but it was postponed due to the Corona crisis. Yeah. But yeah, looking forward to going to Yona, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's hard with, especially with the junior tournaments in that, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's, if you're going to have an under 18 world championship and it gets postponed by 18 months, it's like, well, is it now an under under 20s or under or do you have to sort of get new players in because yeah like obviously it's you only get one shot at playing in an under 18 world championships for most people probably like it's yeah you, you're that when you're that age so if you if it gets cancelled or you miss it and it's like well i'm never going to be in the under 18s again and yeah for a lot of those kids they may they may never progress yeah. to the level of being able to play in the men's team particularly you know mm-hmm. if, if you're a german under 18 attacker like well you've got a long way to go to get past patrick thomas to get the number one attacking spot so it's like you don't want to miss out on potentially your one chance to be the number one guy in a world championships for your country kind of thing yeah definitely but i think for birmingham they are they said it's okay if the players are 19 because they had to postpone the tournament so i think they opened that actually up to give the kids the opportunity to play to make it to the team again although they are they might be over 18 by then yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, did. I think i remember reading that, that they said basically if you qualified for those original under 18s uh then then obviously you could be in the the uh, postponed version as well yeah yeah okay but yeah you're right but then you've got you do have a bigger pool of under 18 players competing for a spot so it could get a little bit more competitive with some of these teams particularly the the top level ones so yeah it could be interesting Definitely. Mm. Plus, there's meant to be an under 18 if it's still going ahead in New Zealand in, yeah. in what, like two, three years? I can't remember what the original plan was. but Yeah, I think it was 20, It was 2022 because I remember it was it was the year before the next Men's World Champs. I remember sort of thinking that would be obviously a good target to aim for would be to get some, you know, have a, an under 18 team to go to New Zealand and then hopefully some of those players would then make up a part of our men's team for 2023. But yeah, again, that's, so that's all going to be been interesting because then if, obviously, if one, I think they're every two years usually, so if one tournament gets sort of pushed back, mm. it's sort of like, well, then is it, is the next one, do you have it two years in a row or I'm not too sure how that, how that's all going to work. I guess Christoph and that have some sort of a plan, but yeah, it's all, all a bit up in the air at the moment. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So did, did they just apply for um, hosting or is it actually approved already? That they are hosting the under 18s championship? I believe it was approved. I believe it was announced in. Uh, was it while we were at Vidithur that they said yeah. that now? Or was that still just the that they applied for it? I think that they said it was basically awarded at some point, but I can't remember the details. Okay, good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, everything could change now. But hopefully it can be. It'd be fantastic and be mm. obviously our best chance to get an under 18 team together if we can. I use that as a selling point that it, you know, you just have to go across the ditch to play at a world championships. That's a massive selling card, selling card. You know what I mean? A, uh, yeah, it's a massive selling point as opposed to saying you're going to have to invest in a trip to Germany or Brazil. You know, it's, um, could be a huge selling point, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll hit up Blaise and Vicky and see what they're doing. Yeah. Who do you think, um, has the, let's say has the best, uh, connections to this age group like who of you could actually uh, start a under 18 team for Australia 
would it be? I mean, the teachers that you have, they usually only teach up till grade six, I guess. Yeah, most of, most of the teachers have got a, a sort of primary school teachers. We don't have a, a huge amount of sort of the secondary teachers. We did have a pretty good connection happening just before sort of COVID hit at one of the the schools in Geelong, this Cadinia International College, which is sort of a fairly a fairly big school. And we'd, we'd done a couple of um, sessions out there with them and they were really, really enjoyed it. And the, a couple of the sort of PE teachers were pretty keen to kind of take Fistball on and sort of try and, and grow it there and hope that they would kind of be a bit of a hub school and that they would then be able to get their kids to, to go and play in, in under-18 teams. But right. then obviously with COVID... No one was allowed to go into the schools or anything, so we haven't been able to do anything with them for probably twelve months, basically. But mm-hmm. hopefully, and um, we can pick pick that up again, and because that'd be that'd be really good if we can have a couple of schools that are, that sort of take it on board and and start playing. Yeah. Great. Did you reach out to the St Josephs as well? Yeah, I think uh, I think Brooke might have had a contact at St Josephs, or someone had a contact there. I think that 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 have been in contact with someone. I'm not sure. Yeah, again, we, we hadn't actually done anything physically with, with Joey's before, obviously, COVID sort of scuttled all of our plans. But, um, yeah, I think probably some of those, um, mm. the private schools too, where, you know, most of the parents of the kids that go there are, have got a bit more financial backing. So it's, you know, taking kids to an international tournament it's probably a bit easier for them than than some of the other schools around so that's probably a good place to start but um yeah, yeah hopefully we can we can kick that off again fingers crossed and chris what about you i mean are you just sitting there and watching geelong grabbing the lead in the under 18th division <laughs> <laughs> once more or are you intending on taking part in this well i mean i have i have loose plans obviously i mean i've talked about it briefly but the hardest bit is that i'm the only one here so i can't lean on anyone else to help me unfortunately but i do have um, one mate in particular who works at a at a high school that was keen to help me set up a an open day for PE teachers from all schools to come on board and show them how to play and then try to build from that um that was meant to be last year um <laughs> yeah. but it didn't really work out but yeah it didn't really get past the initial planning stage but hopefully 2021 we can put that together and just kind of try to get it going because honestly i mean geelong's good as well and that's got a lot of you know big open spaces but adelaide is like based around parkland we've got all these giant open grassy areas and every time i drive around adelaide i mean i did the same thing in melbourne as well but every time i drive around adelaide all i do is see big open grassy spaces and assess it for fistball appropriateness and there's so much in adelaide the actual city cbd itself is surrounded by fistball fields basically so <laughs> I, I think we would have no trouble finding somewhere for a fist of us in adelaide yeah but yeah but i have to get the interest going um i know that i know the schools in adelaide that have a strong volleyball backing or a vo- strong volleyball culture so whether or not we can convert any of them but then the, the other risk is of course if they have a very strong volleyball culture they're not going to be willing to step out of that culture to try a new sport so yeah but i'll put it out there see what i can organize this year oh. it is one of my resolutions so Ooh. gotta follow through right <laughs> you should actually pick up <laughs> call back <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely pick up on the handoff idea i pretty much like that 
<laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Not a lot of flat ground in Handorf, but <laughs> Handorf Festivus has to happen at some point. <laughs> Too much rolling hills there. That's the problem. Uh, oh come but, yeah, on! Handorf would be amazing. <laughs> no different to some of the fields we played on a Festivus on, but you know, it's it's not a good starting point. Yeah, yeah it's too small. Yeah, yeah roll, rolling fields have never slowed us down in the past. It's never been a problem. Yeah. <laughs> actually, the other one we have too that I didn't think of is. It's probably actually is a, a very good contact with it is, is Laurie up in Cairns. Yeah. Because uh, he's a high school um, outdoor ed teacher. And I know he's definitely taught some fistball with his with his uh, his kids. I think they're about year seven or eight, something like that. And I've spoken to him about it and I've, you know, I've sent him up some stuff. And I, I know he's definitely keen to try, and try and work on it. But obviously, well, sort of the big challenges he has is Cairns is very isolated. And also, I think... Probably as far as you know, trying to get those kids to travel anywhere. A lot of the kids, it's it's a fairly low socioeconomic sort of school that he works at, and uh, there's a lot of indigenous kids and stuff that, that go to the school that just mm, probably okay. wouldn't have the financial means to even you know probably to be able to travel down to Victoria would be you know it would be a big ask to get them without sort of getting some some sort of government funding or some support from from local uh, other organisations. But um, but yeah, he's definitely very keen. And that sort of the youth youth fistball is one of his things he's he's definitely keen to try and get going. But um, yeah, just obviously being three thousand kilometres away or whatever it is yeah. between uh, Cairns and here, it makes it yeah. pretty tricky. I just remembered, and I just found the pin on my uh, Google Maps that one day Karen and I we were uh, somewhere on the east coast. I think it is called San Remo. There was also a school teacher who tried fistball with his kids and Karen and I were actually supposed to to have a session with them but um, <laughs> yeah we in Australia you need to have this working with children permit and they didn't tell us in advance that we really have to have this so we arrived at the school everything was set and then the secretary she was like oh no you cannot enter the school you don't have this permit and we were like no one told us we actually asked in advance whether we need needed anything and they wouldn't tell us. Right. So we just, we, we drove off without having the session. I think the teacher tried to assemble something himself. I think we left some equipment with him. So there might be something up as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't know about that. That's, uh, yeah, it's a shame that would have been, would have been good. Yeah. We've actually got a guy um, as well, although I haven't followed up with him in a long time. He's actually, I don't know, I think he listened to one of the podcasts. So maybe he's listening now, but Ty Swaddling. Oh, yeah. He's a... He competed in the World Games in trampolining, I believe. Mm. Um, and he actually watched the World Games final for Australia, obviously. And he watched the World Games final and maybe some other games there um, of the fistball. And he loved it. And when he came back, he actually reached out to us. And we didn't. Send, I don't think we sent him any gear or anything. But we just um, he just asked for help on on. I don't actually can't even remember what he asked for. He asked for help and how to teach it, maybe. I can't remember, but this is like, you know, obviously, what, 2016 when the World Games were on? And, um, or 17, maybe. But he held a few training sessions up there for the kids because he's a teacher as well, um, I believe. So we actually had Rolf. Rolf, I think, has gone up twice, right, Mal, for Mm. two sports festivals. And this is in New South Wales, I think, just outside Newcastle. Um, It has a whole bunch of kids playing there as well as part of of a greater sports festival. So, I mean, that could be another means to uh, hit up Ty and see if, you know, he wants... If he can help push it there. Because then, before you know it, South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. 
bit of state of origin up in Cairns. I'll do that. And uh, and 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 Benny Giles in Kalgoorlie. Shout out to Benny. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Benny. Actually, Benny's <laughs> Benny's also uh, broadened his uh, sporting horizons a little bit recently. He's also now the president of the of the Boulder Snow Volleyball Association. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, wow. I introduced him to snow volleyball from a uh, an Instagram page that I found, <laughs> and uh, so he's 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 taken that on board and started that up. Um, just waiting for a bit of snow. Yeah. Um, in in Kalgoorlie, which I'm not sure it's ever snowed there, but. With global warming, we'll shortly be heading into another ice age or something, and then it'll... Uh, he'll be ready. It'll be, it'll be raring to go. Yeah, best of luck with that, Benny. Yeah. Do you actually have a fistball gear in stock? I mean, if you happen to have people reaching out to you saying, hey, we'd like to try it, and you'll be like, yeah, I'll send you some gear, you sooner or later run out of gear. <laughs> I mean, did you plant a hat? Like, did you have something yeah. in stock? It's too expensive for us to put in a bulk order purely off FIFA. I mean, yeah. postage alone obviously is massive, but particularly when it was Euro costs, it uh, ends up being well over $100 a ball. Um, and then postage is about 250 bucks basically once you get like 10, 15 balls. So it, yeah. it adds up to being well over a grand and obviously we don't really have <clears throat> much of that. So we try to get funding every now and then and try to stock up and get rid of our older balls that are falling apart. But we did recently apply for a grant through the Australian Sports Foundation, which we're hoping would come through. I mean, it was probably wishful thinking, but it would have been to really stock up, particularly on youth balls. But it, um, we were not awarded it. That's okay. Probably went to some cricket and football clubs. But um, we were, we'll keep trying for that sort of stuff and see if we can you know, get a bit of a stock up. I mean, even if we can sell it, to, you know, a lot of schools will buy want to buy gear. And then when you say, because we've had schools reach out and say, where can we buy? buy gear from we have to go well you have to order it from i think it's austria or maybe it's germany for sportastic or something and you know you have to pay all this amount for postage and you have to wait mm. some time to get it and i think a lot and of do them they, get disinterested whereas if we so have so do they i can't i know there was an issue where sportastic don't ship to australia or that maybe that's changed but i remember initially remember we used to have to order stuff get it sent to like roger or someone in Europe and then get them to ship it out to us. Like, oh, because right. yeah, Sportastic were just like, no, nah, we're not doing Australia. So no. mm. they do, they do do it. Like they warned us off early saying, Oh, postage is going to be expensive. But we were like, well, that's the only way we're getting it. So yes, please just do it anyway. And we'll work it out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time when we've bought them in the past, it's been when they've had some kind of special on old balls, you know, they've cut off, you know, 50% or something on the 2015 world champs balls or whatever. But yeah, if we had it in stock here, and then a school wanted one, if we could just sell them one straight off the bat, and then we could build up that cash and then buy a new load in, that would be ideal. Mm. But yeah, we don't have much cash. So if we, you know, if some some rich person wants to inject some cash into fistball in Australia, we would, we'd, we'd oust Rolf, you'd be our new president. Mm. Ria is also producing an own ball. Yeah. I don't know whether it was Julian, you probably heard of him. He's from the DHFK Leipzig, like this mm -hmm. club in East Germany, which is expanding like hugely and they are in contact with IFA and also in contact with Iria and I'm not entirely sure whether they kind of started this ball thing at Iria or whether someone else did but I think they are trying new balls from Iria okay. at the moment. There is a Iria distributor in Australia I mean for clothing um, I don't know about balls but hey, we can always hit them up mm. maybe they can get it over here nice and cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. But even then <laughs> When we got the Aurea stuff that we used 
for the world championships didn't wasn't it cheaper for us to ship it over like to just buy it off the european site and ship it over them than to buy it through the australian supplier or something oh, yeah i mean we won't direct a rear to this podcast but yes we did uh <laughs> go through a third party to get their rear gear um and it was a lot cheaper to get it from england than it was to get it from australia directly from the distributor so yeah sorry rear <laughs> you had to drop your prices a little bit i'm sure they're listening yeah, i'm sure they're listening yeah yeah should we get on to shout outs we're at our customary one and a half hour actually it's actually a lot less than normal this is quite good yeah <laughs> i'm kind of keen to move it on very good time <laughs> you're gonna have to you're gonna have to just be like hang on a minute i can't i can't cut all this stuff out i'm gonna be too short i'm gonna have to <laughs> i'll put stuff back in you have to be Maybe I could just splice in some of the stuff that I missed from my old podcast, Mal, like the stuff that you were disappointed that I cut. I should bring that back in. Oh, yeah. My, um, Chuck it at the end. My big boobs potato salad anecdote. That was a classic, and I was very disappointed that that got cut out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep this in completely out of context, and then at some point you'll retell the story, and it might trigger a few people, but we'll see. I did think about it before when Bianca mentioned being like a potato and i was like oh the potato salad anecdote i'll get it i'll get it in at some point i'll retell that that story i'll sneak it in you should yeah, sounds yeah, interesting yeah. <laughs> put it in the outtake yeah the trick is uh, as an editor and i would say to mal and whoever else is on the podcast the trick is to not have a good story ready to tell immediately after a toilet break because <laughs> <laughs> there is no way to easily segue that into the podcast without making it obvious you were just coming back from a toilet break so. <laughs> or tell it right in the middle when we're off on one of our particularly long tangents and it's like this is all getting cut and then you've put a good story in the middle yes. of it like ah oh, how am i gonna how am i gonna save that <laughs> yes because in the anecdote, in the anecdote, you always make references to each bit of the little bit of the tangent that had got you to that point. You're like, oh, no, I have to keep it all in. doesn't work. It's all or nothing. Um, yeah, do we have any shards? Bianca, I don't know if you want to go first or you want us to go first to see if... So you can think about it. <laughs> so if you go first, I can only pick who's left. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you go first. So you're, the, you're, the, you're the guest. So I go first. Um, yes. So I was thinking about shout outs, of course, prior to the podcast. And then I realized all the people that I wanted to make a shout out to were either on the podcast or were mentioned a lot before. So I tried to think of people who weren't mentioned. <laughs> so first of all, my first shout out goes in general to the possums because they were, were very generous to me. We had a great time. I, I still think about them a lot when thinking of Australian fistball, of course. And I also follow them on social media and I see that they're having babies, that they're pregnant. And a special shout out to Tani, who's close to due date. <laughs> Hope she's doing all right. Um, I'd also like to make a shout out to Dubbo. Because... Um, uh, there was one occasion, um, I think it was the after show party of the APFC, or was it the Metal Knight? No, I think it was the APFC, where he said to me, after quite a few beers, <laughs> that he feels like it's sometimes very hard to talk to me because I'm very direct. <laughs> and so, <laughs> shout out to Dobbo. Hopefully, um, my appearance on this podcast is not too direct for him. <laughs> and I'd 
also like to make a shout out to Karen. Because Karen and I, we were traveling a lot together in Australia and she was always part, also part of the APFC international team. Hopefully she's listening to this podcast and so I thought it would be nice to make a shout out to her as well. How was that playing with the uh, the international team? I mean, it seemed like it was like a lot of fun to watch from the outside. Just because you seem to have different players each day as well. Because some people couldn't play one day and could play the other day. Was that good fun for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, we were able to acquire some some players who hadn't played for a while. So there was mm. a friend from Saxony who was also uh, currently in Melbourne. Unfortunately, two friends of mine weren't able to come in the end, but we had jerseys for them. Um, mm -hmm. It was good fun because it was a very, very mixed team. Like we had Christa from Austria. Uh, we had, of course, some Germans. We had also some Indian girls coming on day two. And then we had Gresha for the first day. Yeah, Gresha from Chile. And... Yeah, there was there was also a guy that looked at, that looked a lot like me that played the first day. He had oh really? I can't remember what his name was on <laughs> Where the was shirt. Where was he from? Was he? I think yeah, it, Scottish. Yeah, the surname the surname on the shirt might have been a lot like your partner's surname. He, yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't uh, recall. But uh, no, it wasn't. No, no, you played in Tim's jersey. Like you were uh, in Yench. It was Tim Yench, I guess. Oh, it's Tim Yench, was it? Yeah. yeah. I remember. I was like, someone just was like, they need a player, you go. And I was like, okay. No, I, honestly. That was actually, it was, it, was, it, was, it was really good fun. It was definitely good fun. Like, um, I think we managed to play well, although we haven't ha played, like, at all together. So, yeah. And we, we uh, had good matches, good rallies versus New Zealand and Australia as well. And who can say he or she played versus a national team, like... That hardly ever happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I was watching back some of the video because I don't know if you saw there was the uh, the uh, the gif or gif or whatever you like to say up on the uh, the Facebook page the other day of the match where Alex and uh, <laughs> Gressland <laughs> have a little mishap, which was hilarious at the time. I have to admit. Yeah. But watching that match, trying to find that moment, God, I I totally actually forgot how horrendous some of the conditions were in some of those matches. Just how it was absolutely pouring down with rain and this wind that was just like sweeping across the court um yeah i can't that was just such incredible conditions to play in because i remember in the lead up just thinking it's november i know it's melbourne but it's november it's gonna be sunny surely surely and it was just it was it was full on but everyone was a trooper about it everyone got out there and played and and dove around and had a good time yeah yeah do you have shout outs mel or do you want me to go first yeah, I can I can go. Uh, I think I already gave my obligatory shout out to to Benny the Sasquatch Whisper Giles, but I'll give him another mention because I know he, he loves a, a double up. Um, I, I I I did mention her before, and I probably didn't cast her in the in the best light. But so a quick shout out to um, Helena Gopner. I think her surname's pronounced. She's actually yeah. a lovely person. She was just a terrifying coach. Yeah. Um, I can just still remember this. Little, I think she was probably about a nineteen, maybe when she was here. This sort of nineteen-year-old German yeah. girl just berating a team of thirty-five-year-old women, and then just <laughs> totally taken aback. Yeah. In fairness, though, I remember one. I remember one training session where she was 
trying to get the training session started and she kept losing Simo and it realized because Simo was like having, <laughs> having a durry behind the tree, you know. <laughs> I think <laughs> having a, a cigarette for the, for the international uh, listeners. Um, I don't think Helena was used to that sort of pre-practice um, fitness routine. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think they... Um, I know because she traveled... Um, I, I think she, tra- she was definitely with the team in Brazil for the 2016 World Champs. Mm. And I know, yeah, they they had a they had a great time with her, and she was. Um, they said it was just so bizarre. Though. They felt like she was like almost their child. She was this sort of nineteen year old kid off doing what nineteen year olds do, and they were this sort of yeah team of some mothers and whatever else you know thirty five year old women who were just very protective of her. And then when she was there, she'd just be shouting at them. Now, so <laughs> yeah, shout out shout out to um, to Coach Hellfist. You'll always be remembered. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do a shout out to, which isn't really in the theme of the episode, but I'm going to do a shout out to John Yor, um, mm. Johnny Yor, Quadzilla, the Australian team. He, Quadzilla. I did mention him in an earlier episode in the news section because he is still, and he still is in South Korea doing skeleton. He sent me a video the other day, which I'll post on the, the Facebook page in the, in the coming days or weeks. Um, of him doing it in a in the indigenous shirt that I'm currently wearing now. Um, he's just he was uh, giving a bit of a shout out to uh, to Fistball Australia, so I think I give him a shout out on the podcast. But I tell you what, watching the video of him doing that, oh, psycho. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how he can how he can do it. He sent he sent me a video of him actually hitting a wall, like coming off the skeleton and hitting a wall and then sliding down. And he hits the wall at the start of the video, and he just he disappears out of the video in like. <laughs> Split second, but he has to get back on the skeleton and then like continue on his way down. It's um, he's a braver man than I. He certainly got the quads to propel him <laughs> yes, he does. off the starting line and, and get him going. All I all I can think of whenever you talk about him doing that skeleton is on that classic scene from Cool Runnings when um, when John Candy's you know, your bones don't break in a bobsled. Oh no, they shatter. <laughs> that's what I just think of poor John. <laughs> Flying off, and you're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun thing to do. But no, good luck to him. No. Like, yeah, it'll be amazing if he's able to um to do to pull that off. But yeah, uh, yeah he's a braver man than I for for sure. <laughs> and let me just add that I still uh, keep reminding him that I'm waiting for his international appearance in skeleton because close to my place there is a skeleton racetrack. All right. It's on his agenda. I'm waiting for him. Okay. Within the next five years, I expect him to come to Thuringia. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, he's meant to be back in April, I think, um, back in Australia. So it'd be pretty lonely being over there, I think. Oh, but, yeah. Um, he seems to be enjoying the enjoying the task. He, lo- he loves living up to a goal. So I guess for my other, just a late shout out, I've actually forgotten his name. Bianca, what's your partner's name? <laughs> Thomas. Thomas. I'll give a shout out to Thomas. Uh, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't speak to him a lot in uh, Winterthur, but he seemed like a super nice guy. And um, he, I like that he joined into all our trainings and uh, and helped us warm up for all the matches. Very much appreciated. So I'll give him a shout out. Oh, he just... <laughs> he actually just arrived. Look, he's here. Hey! Hey! hey. hey. Shout out in person. <laughs> live shout out. Hello! <laughs> Unprecedented. A live shout out. That's, that's podcast first. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's all my shout out. Right. I do, I do actually have one more now that I, I think about it. And this one I can, I'll mm-hmm. tag you in for it too, uh, Bianca. Is to um, is it Andre or Andy uh, Meng from from Namibia who? Um, oh yeah. 
who Bianca, who Bianca was supposed to be the responsible one that was looking out for the two of us when we were sitting up drinking one night in uh, in Winterthur, and <laughs> and then she went to she went to bed and was like, oh no, they're fine, and then we did not go to bed for a long time. Yeah, I was texting Jess. I'm watching your husband. He's doing great, and then he was so wasted the next day. <laughs> Uh, way too much faith. Oh wow, it does. <laughs> All right. Well, should we um, should we sign off with a with a f- uru and a fiston, or a fiston and uru, whichever way we go? Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you have a uh, a traditional like a, a German sign off like a thing like we say huru in Australia is sort of our goodbye or whatever not really i guess i think in germany we have this thing but i don't know whether it's the thing of saying goodbye so after a match we would say gut sport that's the west german version of saying goodbye and in east germany we would say sport frei which is free sport free let's go and do sports or let's finish sports so i think that's not very appropriate so let's just go with yours. <laughs> Pod, podcast fry. <laughs> Obviously, I'd love to gift the listeners me trying to say those words um, with my history of. Oh uh, yeah, I was just thinking we we totally skipped the part where you were supposed to pronounce yeah. German words. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. When can I come on next? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. Next couple of weeks, see if we uh, <laughs> we got anyone lined up now. Special session, learning German with Chris. Oh, God. I don't know if we want to put anyone through that. Oh, yes, it would be fun. How how infuriating. And we should invite Liz. How Not to Speak German by Chris Mill. (laughs) Yes, anti-learning. That's good. Don't do what Donnie don't does. All right, well... Bianca, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. We do appreciate it. Great to just... chat to you for the first time since it's in Vitatha, so that's really nice and you know, we had an awesome time with you there and I had an awesome time with you in Australia so it's really great to, to chat with you again yeah thanks once more for having me on your podcast it was a pleasure <laughs> it's fine I just to go off on another tangent I do remember getting that that email from you where it was by far the most professional application I got <laughs> for the coaching role it was you know I think you sent me like almost like a resume <laughs> with all your coaching accomplishments and your playing history and everything with a photo of you and everything. I was like, wow, this, this, this is a very professional approach, but we're not going to go with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to apply. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. It answered all the questions. Whereas a few other people just kind of wrote, oh, yes, yeah, so, you know, like very general kind of tentative, inquisitive emails whereas yours is very direct and to the point you know very <laughs> shout out to Dubbo <laughs> yeah absolutely it would have yeah it would have scared Dubbo to, the, to no end but yes yes again thank you very much we'll do uh we'll do a uh, fist on Anuru now all right oh how's that I'm gonna mm-hmm. finish off with the same here we go <laughs> fist on and Uru fist on Huru fist on Huru Totally worth it. Fist! 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 Fist!